Hey everybody, welcome to A Reason for Hope Candid. This is Jack. I'm here with Jimmy, Alanis, and Ryan, the Candid crew, the current Candid crew, and we're here. The current Candid crew. Yeah. <laughs> Alliteration. And it's a blessing to be with you today. We are here with Mr. Steve Caracas, who is uh, the father of nine. He's a, he's a faithful Catholic, uh, big pilgrimage uh, guy, and he is the founder of scapulars.com, uh, among a, a bunch of other uh, websites and ministries that I'm sure we're going to get into today. Um, but Steve, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jack. It's great to be here. Yeah, and and thanks for sponsoring this podcast. This, this podcast is sponsored by uh, Steve's own scapulars.com. And so we're going to get into that. So Steve, <clears throat> can you uh, explain to us what is a scapular? Let's start with the basics. What's a scapular? What are its origins and and what does it mean? What does it signify? Can you just start us off with that? Sure. So um, there was a, a time when the Carmelites were actually uh, in the Holy Land at Mount Carmel, and uh, they were um, kind of evicted in a sense. They had to escape from the persecutions happening uh, in the 1200s, and they ended up, most of them, in England, in Aylesford, England. And um, there, there was a question whether that there was a need for another order um, because the Franciscans and the Dominicans and some other newer orders were populating around Europe, and it was thought maybe it was unnecessary. And so um, uh, Father Simon Stock, who was the prior general at the time, he was praying to the Blessed Mother for a special protection um, very for in exchange for complete loyalty to the Blessed Mother with his order. And he was asking her for a special divine protection. And this is when she appeared to him in 1251 and handed him which was a religious habit scapular, which kind of goes in front and behind uh, the religious habit and kind of goes over the shoulder or the scapula, the bones, which is why it's called a scapular. And, and other orders wore these as well, but this was a brown scapular. So it was unique. Um, and she said, you know, this will be a sign of protection and, um, you know, wear this um, as a sign of devotion and special protection from me um, in exchange for that complete loyalty. Um, and whoever dies wearing the scapular shall not suffer eternal fire. And so it was a special gift given to them, a protection in life and in death. And um, this was eventually, or very quickly, actually, um, the devotion started where when the scapulars got old and they would take them off, um, the faithful surrounding these um, these communities would cut off little squares and tie them together with strings and put them around their neck. And it became more of a devotional scapular for the laity. And uh, because there's always been sort of a, around the monasteries, especially of, of the time where culture was building around and the... Um, you know, obviously the Benedictines preserved um, a lot of the knowledge through the, the Middle Ages and, and into this time. Um, but it still, as to um, associate itself with the spirituality, people would take on some of the characteristics of the order. I mean, in this case, even a minister of the habit itself. And so this was the beginning of the devotional scapular, uh, the brown scapular of the Carmelite habit. Yeah, I, uh, I heard you in another interview, actually, describe the scapular as the shield while the rosary is the sword, which I, I found very fascinating. Because I, th I think most Catholics know about, you know, the rosary is the greatest weapon against, against evil. But uh, shielding ourselves as well is so important spiritually. And that was the first time I'd heard that. Can you maybe just explain the story behind, uh, I, I think it had something to do with Fatima, with, with the Fatima apparitions. Yeah, so in Fatima, um, as Our Lady appeared, <clears throat> excuse me, to 
um, the children um, over the course of several months from May until October. Um, on October 13th, when um, Our Lady had promised to perform a great miracle, um, and, and all these people came, tens of thousands of, of people came to experience this miracle. Um, and this was the great miracle of the sun. And during the miracle of the sun, the children were not witnessing the sun. They were actually witnessing the apparition of Our Lady. Um, she came in several forms. And, and once she appeared with um, St. Joseph and the child Jesus. So it's also an apparition site of St. Joseph uh, in Fatima. Yeah, yeah. She also appeared as Our Lady of Mount Carmel, holding the child Jesus, um, who was handing the children a scapular. And um, she also then called herself the Lady of the Rosary. And so Sister Lucia um, always always said that the, the rosary and the scapular are inseparable um, in terms of devotionals. Like the scapular is our shield because it gives us divine protection in life and in death. And the rosary, of course, is our weapon, right? This is, this is our spiritual battle we fight with the rosary. Um, and this is also something that the church has um, elevated both of these devotions. Um, in Vatican II, um, they talked about many of the devotionals of the church, but these two hold a special place in the life of the, of the Catholic faithful. Is there a way to receive grace through wearing the scapular? Yeah, so the good part is this. So the, when, when we promise um, complete loyalty to our Blessed Mother, what we're promising is a life close to her son Jesus and a life of grace. Um, so then the question is, okay, in order to receive that promise, it, does all of this burden fall on us? And, and you know, we're, we're imperfect. How are we going to hold up our end of the bargain? But the great part of this is, is that God gives us actual grace. So when we wear a scapular or we wear a cross or we, we any of the devotionals, um, God gives us actual grace. And that's his way of helping us hold up our end of the bargain. So by wearing the scapular, you receive actual grace and the special graces, the special actual graces of the promises that Our Lady gave to St. Simon Stock. Um, praying the rosary, same thing. You receive actual grace by praying the rosary. So as we know, you can't just put it on get the grace and then your job stops there. It's like, great, I have this on now. I can live my life. I'm dead. Now I'm I'm guaranteed. I'm <laughs> skipping all the way to Queen Frostine's <laughs> castle at the end of Candyland. <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't work that way. But that's a misconception about the scapula. <clears throat> right. And, you know, I know on your website, it talks about how it, you, when you receive the scapula, especially from scapulars.com, you receive a prayer card that you are supposed to bring to your priest and and become vested in the uh, the Carmelite devotion. Um, can you explain what that means to vest right. uh, in, in that devotion? And and because I'm mm. kind of thinking like, what what then makes a scapular a scapular? You get it, and it's not just you know activated with grace. You have to then follow through with one how you live, but also bringing it to a priest and and becoming vested in the devotion. So if you could shine some light on that, that'd be awesome. Sure. So when you join a religious order um, and you go through the ceremony, you're vested. They put the vestments over your head um, on you. And so it's a similar situation. Um, however, this is a devotional scapular. So the Carmelites, when they receive the habit, you know, they're vested in that habit. And so you're receiving the miniature of the habit. So you must be vested. It doesn't mean the priest has to put mm. the scapular over your head, but because he'll oftentimes, it was very common to vest the entire First Holy Communion class class um, at every Catholic school or every church in the world um, for many, many centuries. Um, more recently, that's that's done less often, but you still need to have that prayer prayed over you, either by a Catholic priest or a Catholic deacon, um, and anyone can do this. So it's, it's simply a vesting prayer where you're receiving uh, this vestment, and, and um, you only have to be vested once in your life. Um, once you have been vested in it, you can if your scapular um, breaks or you lose it, you can get another one and put it on. You don't have to be revested. 
how, how does that differ from blessing? I think that was a... Right, yeah, yeah. Sure. So to be vested means the blessing rests on the person and not on the object. So you are blessed with this ah. ability to receive um, this, this garment of grace. So when you take it off, you can still receive the next one, even though it's, you haven't been revested. So does that mean that uh, the next one has to, the next sacramental has to be blessed? It does not have to be still? blessed, but you certainly can have it blessed as a religious article, but you can't be revested. Mm-hmm. So can I ask, what are the qualifications to like have a devotion? Is it just like an interior disposition? Do you have to like keep up with, I've heard like if you kiss your scapular, you get indulgences or um, you have to like pray liturgy of the hours every single day to have a full devotion. So what are the qualifications for that? Sure. So there's some confusion about that, whether there is uh, there yeah. requirements. And the requirement is you must be 100% completely loyal to the Blessed Mother, right? That is the requirement. That's it? Yes. Well, that's a lot. That's a big claim for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> like, easy. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we need that, that actual grace to, to hold up our end of the bargain there. That God helps mm. us. Um, so there is something called the Sabatine privilege. Within a century after the vesting of the first scapular um, from Our Lady to St. Simon Stock, um, the Holy Father um, extended what was called the Sabatine privilege, which was the, the singular privilege of being released from purgatory on the Saturday after your death. Um, but in order to receive that particular grace that goes along with the scapular, it also involved certain prayers, um, whether it was praying the, um, the, the office, the little office of the Blessed Mother, um, or if you have permission from a priest um, to exchange that with the rosary every day or the liturgy of the hours or something like this. Um, but it, it's a special extra grace. Hey, want to help make this podcast better? Go to our survey URL in the show notes and leave your mark on A Reason for Hope. I actually, I I met a a religious sister whose mother had a devotion to the scapular, like a huge devotion, and she passed away on the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and it landed on a Friday. So literally, if she went to purgatory that next day, Our Lady... (laughs) came in smoothed her up. So I'm, I'm not I thought surprised. that was really beautiful. <laughs> it was so cool. When the Holy Father John Paul II died, um, you know, his uh, he wore the scapular. Um, he died on, mm. on a Saturday, on the first Saturday um, of mm. April, I believe. It was also after he had, they had celebrated Mass for Mercy Sunday, which was the next morning. So only in the Catholic Church can you die yeah. on a first Saturday and on Mercy Sunday at the same time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, wow. his, the timing of his death was, mm. yeah, transcendental. Yeah, it, it, providential. Um, it's fantastic. And so, um, okay, so, you know, we, we've seen a lot of people um, with different types of scapular, maybe that they're gold or they're just more fancy looking. Does it have, it, does that, and that's not a scapular? Does it have to be wool? Is there a specific dimension that makes it a scapular? Sure. What? are the actual physical requirements of a scapular. Yeah, so the fancier it is, and the more gold you put on it, the more grace you get when you wear it. Mm. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're lying. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, so that's got nothing to do with it. So there there are actually 17 different scapulars approved by the church, and these are 17 different devotions. And the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel is one of those devotions, and it's the most common and most Mm. popular and most widespread. 
But there are, for example, um, the, the green scapular, which is tied to um, conversion. Um, and there's um, the, the black scapular of the, um, the Benedictines. Um, and so, so there are different scapulars, um, which is just a miniature of their scapula that they wear as a habit um, with different mm. graces and, oh, and gotcha. uh, different, um, you know, different spiritual purpose for it. Um, however, the brown scapular, um, so... This is a question, and the church is like this a lot. The church is not legalistic in many things, but from 99% of everything I've read from the Carmelites is that this must be brown wool. Okay, so on the scapular, um, on the backside, you'll have um, it's brown and it's wool. It has to be 100% wool, nothing else in it. Um, I've also heard that, it, you know, the coloring brown, I've also heard it could be black, but I've never actually... I heard that from a Carmelite, um, but I've never seen that. So all the scapulars we do are brown, brown wool. Um, and then there's a question about the front side, like what images should be on the front. And there's a little confusion there as well, because the original scapulars had no images. They were simply, hmm. you know, large um, habits uh, that went over yeah. the habit. And so the devotional scapulars didn't have images either. However, when the Carmelites reformed in the 1500s, there were two branches, the calced and the discalced. And so they would wear the crest of their, their branch on their scapular in order to differentiate which one they were. Um, and that way you could tell whether they were calced or discalced. And that's where the idea of putting a, an image on the scapular came from. Um, now we get people telling us, hey, you don't have the official image on your scapulars. Um, but it turns out there is no official image. There were no images for three centuries. Um, what is allowed is any... Um, holy devotional type image. So, you know, whether it's a cross or an image of Our Lady or or something that is um, appropriate, um, anything appropriate is acceptable. And the images themselves don't have to be made out of wool. Um, they're just on top of the wool that's there. Mm. Right. What's the easiest devotion? If we're, if someone's got <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> martyrdom. So you obviously know you obviously yeah. know, you obviously know tons about this. Uh, you're super passionate about it. But what inspired you to learn all of this, and what inspired you to take that knowledge and turn it into a thing that, uh, like a business that not only, you know, you're you're making things for people to help them in their faith journey. So what inspired you to do that? Well, what inspired me to wear it first, um, I always knew as a child um, about the scapula because I received it at First Holy Communion. Um, and then, you know, promptly hmm. broke it within a few weeks, which is a very common problem. <laughs> and so really it was sat in my mother's jewelry box forever. And then um, when I was 18, I went to Alaska and I got a job working at the Bering Sea. And at that point, I thought, this is dangerous. I could die. Um, I should probably take any grace I can get. And one of those graces would be wearing the brown scapular. And so I put it on and really haven't taken it off since. Um, and that was just sort of a, a personal devotion to you know, ask for that divine protection. But I was also at the time, um, I started to pray the rosary at the same time. And so I started to become more aware of the devotions. And these are the two that really stuck with me. Um, and so over the years, um, not only myself, but then my my wife and my nine children um, breaking scapulars uh, left and right and burying them in the yard, respectfully disposing of them by burying them. Um, I was complaining for 20 years about the poor quality of scapulars that we found. And so I, I was asking every company out there, hey, why don't you guys make a good one? Like a really strong one. It's not going <laughs> to break. And they all thought, yeah, that's a great idea. Nobody did it. So a few years back, I decided mm. that's enough. I'm going to do it myself. And it took a couple years mm. to really 
kind of redesign the way the scapular is put together and, and how um, mm. you can take care of the main problems, which would be, you know, the, uh, the, the problem that they, you know, they, they rip or they, they break apart too easily. Wow. Oh, look at that. Look at the shredding. Yeah, th- wow. this, is, this is a prototype that I've had for years and years, right? It's still in great wow. shape. Um, wow. Oh that's, <laughs> that's proof that it, that it works. That's crazy. Good. So can you explain some of the, yeah. Explain some of the things that you did to kind of enhance it that, yeah. that patent pending. fortifies it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the problem that it, it had was that um, um, the the cords were were poorly stitched, um, and so we we figured out mm. a way to get the cords all the way down inside of it, and then um, mm. kind of wrap it inside mm. the wool, and then stitch all the way around like crazy, so that it's, it's like a bomber stitching. It's like actually like parachute type stitching around it. So this is not going to wow. come out. Um, you have to tear the whole thing apart just to get the cords out of it. Um, the other problem wow. that a lot of people have is that they wear a devotional metal on the cord and the metal will wear huh. through the cord. And so we designed it in mm. such a way that it, it forms, I don't know if you can see this, it forms a pocket inside oh, so that you can put your metal, yeah. devotional metal inside the scapular and it takes care Genius. of that problem. Very cool. And the other problem that Very people cool. have that they complain so about cool. is that it's kind of uncomfortable. It's... Um, you know, you wear it, it's, it's wool, well, it's felted wool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's actually not the point because the, the point mm. of, of um, something that's more of a sacrifice or uh, would be more like a hair shirt. People would wear hair shirts yeah. in order to, mm. you know, basically force that sacrifice on themselves. Um, but scapulars were worn over the clothing as a sign of devotion, mm. not as a penance. Um, and mm. so it wouldn't okay. be, it, it's, because scapulars are uncomfortable, people have associated the two, and that's great. You know, we can offer up all sorts of things, um, but scapulars themselves were not designed as a penitential um, devotion. So hmm. we took, we tried to find the finest wool in the world, which is merino, merino wool from Australia, and uh, we use that for the scapulars themselves. <laughs> Hey, everybody, we got some exciting news. We have a whole new Array of Hope app and channel, a video destination where everyone can find meaningful and inspiring videos and resources to help bring them closer to God. This is available on your desktop, Roku, Apple TV, iPhones, and Android mobile phones and tablets. This channel has movies, short, faith-filled segments, live events, and programs. You've got to check it out. Sign up by going to watch.arrayofhope.net and then download the app at the App Store by just typing in Array of Hope. I have a question relating to wearing it under your clothes versus outside of your clothes because I went through a phase for like a solid year. I would wear it outside of my clothes. I rationalized it (laughs) with a few ways. Okay, so... um, I I just felt like it was, I don't know if this, you can definitely tell me if I'm vain or wrong for doing this, but I just felt like it was a way to express just like my interior faith through an exterior symbol because we're body and soul. So sometimes the physical helps the spiritual. And so I felt like it really helped me snap into that, that mindset of like, I am I need to exemplify the person of Jesus right now. Also, I thought it was a really great conversation starter. Um, I, there were so many fruitful conversations I had where people came up to me and they were like, are you Catholic or what is that? And, and I, it was an opportunity to evangelize. So um, regardless, since it started off outside of your clothes, how did it ever transition into being like such a private devotion? Is that something that Our Lady asked of us? Or is that just something that it just evolved in that way? Well, because it went from um, the habit of the Carmelites, which is an exterior, um, visible, visible, tangible um, 
sign. And the habit of the scapular is actually more like an apron. They call it an apron, which symbolizes the fact that they are going to work in the Lord's vineyard. Um, mm. And that's why the, most of the orders wear those because it's a symbol of working um, in the vineyard. Um, but for as, as it transitioned um, into a private devotion or, or kind of branched off into a private devotion, that would be mm. when, when it became more of a the private devotion. And so it was typically worn underneath. Um, and because it's a private devotion, you're absolutely free to wear it inside, underneath your clothing or outside your clothing um, for, because wow. it's simply, it's, it's like a, in a sense, when you're receiving Holy Communion, whether you receive on the hand um, or in the tongue or you kneel or you bow, whatever sign of devotion, that's a private sign of devotion that, that you are exhibiting. And it has nothing to do with anybody else. It's you and your devotion. So it's really up to you how you wear it. Good to know. Thank you. That cleared up a lot of questions. In my mind, I wasn't sure if I was being prideful or not. So and I'm like, when was me. that shift? When was that shift that it became a pri- uh, private uh, devotion? It was. Is there like a timeline at all? Or within a century of the original scapular, um, in the 1300s, there's records of it being a widespread private devotion already. Okay, so I mean, I'm sure that you sold so many scapulars, but are there any experiences or stories about the impact that your scapulars have had on people that? Uh, warm your heart and that you'd like to share with us. Sure. So we we also, um, so we give scapulars to all priests and religious that ask for free. We also give scapulars mm. to um, anyone who, you know, would really love one, maybe can't afford it. We give them out to young mm. pilgrimages. So we do a lot of, of giving the scapular to promote the devotion. Um, we got an email from a, um, a guy who worked in a, um, in, in the, in a hospital ward. And this is during early COVID. Um, and and family members were not allowed to be with their loved ones who were dying. So he would be with them in this COVID uh, death ward uh, as they were dying. Mm. And he would FaceTime the family in so they could kind of be there. And uh, they one family was talking about their faith and how they they really wanted to be there with him, you know, to pray with him, to touch him, and to and that and they saw that he was wearing one of our scapulars. And they asked mm. um, he asked them if they would like him to put his scapular on this relative of theirs who was dying. Um, and they were just in tears and they said, absolutely, yes. And so he took it off and put it on this man and he died. And um, he mm. told us the story and we sent him a bunch of scapulars to, you know, for anyone who would like, here's your, you know, <laughs> if the family would like this, um, because when you go to the hospital, they take everything from you. Um, but he, yeah. you know, this is something that he could do for them on their deathbed, which is just really wonderful. So um, I guess just to wrap things up, Steve, uh, in one of your bios on on one of the many websites you run, uh, there was there was a mention of a dramatic conversion story at the age of eighteen, and uh, it may or may not have been on a pilgrimage. But maybe, but maybe you can talk about that, and also, and maybe segue into your work sure. with pilgrimages, and and especially with youth. And as we were talking about earlier, youth encounter with Christ, which is so important to family faith formation, et cetera, just keeping people in the faith. Right. So I was 18, traveling around Europe on a Eurail pass, three months, 17 countries. Um, my budget was like 10 bucks a day for food and uh, and lodging. So I, we couldn't afford to stay anywhere. It was, it was all st- sleeping on beaches and sleeping in train stations. And we couldn't afford the youth hostels. They were too expensive. So what I did was... Um, my parents were really wanted me to go to um, to Medjugorje, which was at the time, you know, very, uh, a fairly, fairly new um, understanding of, of this shrine and, and 
perhaps Our Lady was appearing there. And they wanted, obviously, me to have an experience. And so they wanted me to go there. Mm. I don't have any money. I can't get there. It's out of, outside my year rail pass. And they said, we'll send money. I said, oh, how much? <laughs> and they sent $500, which was half my budget for the summer. And so they bribed me to go to this place. And I thought, okay, um, I'll go there for a day just to humor them. And then I'll take off for the Dalmatian coast and I'll go swimming for a week. Um, so I get to this place and, um, and I, I know that it's a religious place. They People go to mass. All they do is pray. I was 18, not going to mass. Um, I went to a lot of churches that summer because they were free, um, but I wasn't going to mass. I wasn't praying. Um, and so I showed up. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go to mass here. There's an English mass in the morning. I'll show up. And I go inside this place, and just like usual, I'm distracted. There's people in there. It's packed. Some people are have tears coming down their eyes. Some people are like bowing down. Some people have their hands up. And I thought, these people are nuts. <laughs> these are crazy, <laughs> crazy religious people. I don't know what's going on. And for the first time, I really spoke to God, and I, I just cried out. I said, "What do you, what do you want from me? Why did you bring me here? What am I doing here in this place?" And at that moment, I heard the words of the song that they were singing at the offertory. And I heard it a million times in my life, never thought of it. But the words then were kind of seared onto my heart. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I've heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord. If you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart. And at that moment, I felt like an, uh, a building with all the windows and doors opening uh, open and a strong wind blowing through, shaking me to my very foundation. And I knew three things were real. Number one, God. God is real. Number two, God is present right before me. And number three, I have to make a choice. He gave me a choice. I could choose him and change my life, or I could run away as far and as fast as I could and try to forget the whole thing and, and never, never look back. And so I kind of looked out over the world and I saw a lot of, you know, a lot of people chasing things, worldly things. Um, <clears throat> some of them had a very nice life and some of them had a lot of security. And I looked at God's offer and he offered none of that. He offered he offered adventure, a wild adventure, you know, through and to his heart um, in exchange for my heart, right? But he offered heaven in the end. And so I chose him in that moment. And then I started, the tears started coming and I couldn't stop it. I didn't know why, but I had basically surrendered. And I looked like all those nutty people in that church. That was, that was me. <laughs> in that moment. And it, I spent the rest of the, the next week there wandering around trying to figure out what happened. Like, what happened to me? And what happens next? What do I do now? Um, and that was really the beginning of um, kind of a, a transformational experience on pilgrimage. And, and I tried to take that. And as I was teaching high school for seven years in California, I tried to take that experience and, and bring my students on pilgrimages and bring them to that point where we can't do that. We can't like force a relationship with God, but we can take them to um, on a pilgrimage and teach them how to open their hearts to the grace of God. And hopefully those transformational experiences happen you know, to all of them, but to as many as possible, if not all. Hey, we love that you listen to our Reason for Hope and we want to make it better for you. You can help us do that by filling out our survey. Just click on the URL in the show notes so we can help you dive even deeper into your faith. 
I, lo- I love how you you set up kind of the your interaction with God. Uh, you you saw you saw people with security and they're doing worldly things and pursuing worldly things that may may go against the Christian tradition, the Catholic tradition. And then you also you know you saw what God was offering, which was not necessarily security, but but adventure. I I really like how you put that because that's that's often what it is. It's like he he I don't know he he, he shows you. Um, something that where you where you can't see it, and you just have to trust and surrender and and prove your prove your trust and faith in Him. So yeah, that's and, and it's like a daily thing too. I, I'm sure you it, it, you made a huge decision at that conversion point, but I, I'm sure on a daily basis, whether it's a big thing for your family, like a big family decision, oh, we got to move here, we got to move from San Diego to Phoenix or whatever have you. Um, it, 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 or the little things in life, um, you know, which, uh, which scapular should we design next? You know, it, you, you got to trust God in all those areas. And, um, yes, yeah, so I guess, yeah, just, we're, we'd love to affirm you in what you're doing. Uh, we, we really appreciate you joining us and, and sponsoring this podcast. Uh, I learned a lot about scapulars. I, Same. I am not uh, aware of the scapulars, so maybe I should go and get vested. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you would advocate for that. So um, you've inspired me. If I could, um, you mentioned the big decisions in life. And this is something that I think um, we follow all the time. My wife and I will will pray and ask the question, whether it's a big decision or small decision for the family, um, will this decision bring us more peace or less peace? in our life, uh, um, whether it's getting a pet or moving to another place, you know, <laughs> buying a house, whatever it is, big decisions, we always ask that question uh, because we don't want less peace in our life. Yeah. So wow. I guess, had, what, what do you think the best way to make that discernment is? Is that is it, it probably happens over time, right? I think um, sensitivity to, um, to promptings of the Holy Spirit, which takes time to, to develop that relationship with God. But it does, you can start right now. You can ask him, you know, ask him questions and then just listen for the answer. Just wait. Um, and so yeah. in front of the Holy the Blessed Sacrament is, is a great place to do that. But you can do it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we Again, we really appreciate having you on, Steve. Um, hey, God bless you. God bless your work. Uh, you know, if you're listening, if you're tuning in, definitely go check out Steve's work over at scapulars.com. And then um, I, I believe also it's World Youth Day dot com as well, right? Right. Or there, there was a that's one of our that's a nonprofit that we run. Yes, it's more of an informational site um, for the world in English, um, a continuity site for World Youth Day. Fantastic. Yeah, go check out Steve's work. We're going to put it all in the show notes for this episode. And um, Steve, thanks again. God bless. Peace. Thank you, Jack, Alanis, uh, Ryan, and Jimmy. <laughs> Nailed thanks. it. Nailed it. Got Nailed it. it. A plus. Not even wearing our name tag. <laughs> God bless. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of A Reason for Hope Candid. Next week's podcast episode features Mario Costabile's interview with Father David Pavanka, the president of Franciscan University of Steubenville. If you haven't already, be sure to follow our podcast so you're always in the loop for new releases. Give us a rating and comment if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Also, make sure to follow A Ray of Hope on social media and check out AOH Music. You can find all this information in the show notes for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be with you next week again for our interview with Father David Pavanka titled The Mission of a Catholic School. Until next time, peace be with you.